So this is the new year. And we're ranking Beatles songs. <laughs> yeah, so hey everybody. <laughs> little death cab for cutie to kick off 2021. Yeah. Gang, welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. 2021 is in the house. Yeah. And we're ranking some Beatles here on Ranking the Beatles. Welcome back. We hope you all have had a wonderful, beautiful holiday. Mm-hmm. We hope everything's good in your neck of the woods, wherever you may be. Um, how was your holiday, Julia? He asked like he doesn't know. <laughs> like we didn't spend the entirety <laughs> of it together. Yeah. Um, it was nice. It was very chill. Yeah. Um, mostly just you and I yes. hanging out at home True. because of the ye old coronavirus. <laughs> um, the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, never stops. Yeah. Never stops. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a lot of like cozy time at home. Did a couple of outdoor hangs with some friends to keep it safe. Um, and try and keep our sanity. And uh, that's really about it. Yeah. Well, we hope we hope all of you had a wonderful holiday uh, season and a wonderful New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, however you chose to celebrate, hopefully um, safely and calmly and <laughs> in your little bubble. Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, lots, uh, lots has happened since we last spoke to you here on Ranking the Beatles Land. I mean, not a lot, but... Um, I was going to say, really? Well... We have a new McCartney album okay. since we last taped an episode. We have oh. McCartney 3, a worldwide smash, number one on both sides of the pond. Do you mean to tell me that the Beatles are good at selling records? Do you mean to tell me that if you <laughs> sell 40 different versions of an album, <laughs> people buy it and it goes number one? Mm. That is true. Um, All jokes aside... It's really good. Yeah, we're big fans of it. We I've been listening to it pretty regularly since yeah. we pay, since we got it. I my first listen was sort of um, while I was doing something else. I was doing some computer work, and when Slidin came on, yeah, I was yanked out of my focused on something else, like back into the album, and I was like, "Oh, hello, Mr. McCartney. Thank you. This rocks. Rock and roll time." That's the same man that wrote Helter Skelter. Just Should reminding no you surprise. that yeah. he can do that. Yeah. Yeah. He still got it. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was really, I was like, oh, pardon me. Yeah. Some okay. jams. Yeah. I'm a fan of it. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't heard McCartney 3, highly recommended uh, from the RTB crew that you pick it up. I believe also Ringo has an EP out as well that came out same week. Um, I only listened to one track. It was enjoyable. I haven't dug in any deeper on it, though. No, no offense. Sorry, Ringo. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. It's just, it's been a busy holiday, man. Busy week. (laughs) (laughs) We did nothing. I've been busy, man. (laughs) You blew it. (laughs) I have. I've blown it. I'm sorry. He'll he'll never come on the show now. He'll never come on the podcast now. (laughs) Man, sorry about that. Anyhow, uh, we've got an exciting show today, though. Thought we would... 
kick off the new year in high gear, a little collab, a little crossover with one of my favorite podcasts. I know I've mentioned it on previous shows and caught a little bit of flack from certain other Beatles podcasts. <laughs> uh, that happen to drink while they record said podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I am a huge fan of the band Oasis. I know it's often a hot topic, you know, in Beatles fan circles, because for years, you know, there was always the whole they were very uh, outspoken about their want to be the next Beatles and how they were, you know, aiming for that goal, mm-hmm. you know, thinking we could be the next Beatles. And a lot of Beatles fans didn't like that. They thought they were like encroaching on the throne. Maybe I, mean... I don't know. I mean, why would you not want to be the best? Yeah, what's I, the problem yeah. with having, like, a goal? Lofty goals are what births brilliance. Obviously, because yeah. we got Oasis. Yes. You're and, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, our guest today must feel the same way about Oasis that I do about the Beatles, because he's devoted, uh, I think, three years so far to the Oasis podcast. I saw that today, and I was like, nope. And then you <laughs> reminded me that I pretty much signed myself up for... Four years of this and I was like crap yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but over the last few years our guest today has interviewed former member of Oasis Andy Bell uh, Brian Cannon who is the art director that did all their sleeves on uh, album covers in the 90s um, video directors that work with the band musicians that toured with them and played with them uh, it's a fantastic dive into that band's history they also dive into Track by track over time, he's going alphabetically, A to Z. Wow. Deep dives on each song. Fantastic listen. He also hosts a podcast called A Thousand and One Albums, which is based off of the book A Thousand and One Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. It is a dive into some of the greatest albums of all time. Uh, and again, he's committed himself to, obviously, a very lengthy podcast with that. How does he have time to come talk to us? I don't know. But, it's bonkers. But he's here. So, y'all, please welcome to the show from the Oasis Podcast, James. Well, James, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for uh, for being here. We appreciate it. It's good to finally get to meet you in person after hearing your voice for for so long in my headphones while listening to your show. <laughs> that's that's. Uh, I don't even do a podcast as well. That's just some weird sort of setup that we've got. But um, yeah, no, it's it's good to speak, guys. Always always happy to talk the Beatles. You know, as as a, as an Oasis podcast, you know, I'm a frustrated Beatles podcaster, to be honest. I, I would have done the Beatles, but there's so many people better qualified than me to do it. I just thought, well, what can I bring to the Beatles? But, you know, I can bring quite a lot to Oasis and no one else is doing it. So, yeah. yeah. But no, I, I do really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you guys. And I enjoy your pod and looking forward to it. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, let me pause right quick. I want to check some ears just, you know, as a musician and like my own home studio recording gear. So we just repurposed it for... For this so <laughs> yeah well i guess you know so what we'll do is you know we'll we'll, we'll we just, so we did this little intro bit um i'll kind of do a few questions like how you got into the beatles um your own kind of story with that then i'll do uh, a background on the track we'll discuss you know where the track comes from you know what we how we feel about it um and then just some like questions about your own podcast your own connections like with oasis and how like you know what makes a person want to, you know, kind of commit this many years like we're doing to our respective podcasts from there. So real easy. And if you had, if at any point you want to stop and take a break, just let me know. Cool. So, you know, so as I was mentioning in the intro, you've been doing the Oasis podcast since 2017. Is that correct? 
Yeah, 2017, which is a bit, yeah, a bit weird, really. To, um, <laughs> and I get people ask me like all the time, oh, how have you still got stuff to talk about, like with Oasis? Like I had a, <laughs> my sister say to me the other day, are you still doing that Oasis podcast? I was like, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm only on D on the A to Z, you know, but um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, there's always more to talk about. You know, it, it's obviously been a help that... Um, uh, we don't just cover Oasis sort of nostalgia stuff, but we cover the new stuff that's going on as well. And and in that time, since 2017, both Noel and Liam have put out a couple of albums each. And, mm. uh, oh, no, well, Noel's done an album and, and some EPs and stuff. So so it's always busy. There's always stuff happening. And, just, and Liam and Noel are just the types of personalities. They're always out there. They're always busy. So, you know, from day one, it's not just been a nostalgia thing. It's been a news thing as well. So I tell people, yeah. like... Well, for you guys, I'm like the ESPN of Oasis, basically. Like, <laughs> when if something happens, like I have to jump on it, and then you know, normally within a day or two, there's a podcast about it. Like getting the getting the expert view from you know from the Oasis super fans. So yeah, it's it's yeah. an important role um, that I'm willing to fulfil. Fantastic, <laughs> that's awesome. And that's kind of the fun thing, you know, with ours, you know, and it's, it's the same situation. I think even though, you know the bands themselves aren't necessarily active. The members are still obviously very active uh, for both Oasis and the Beatles. So like for us, you know, Paul puts out McCartney three and I'm sitting there going like, well, who can we talk about the record with? And then I'm seeing like every other podcast is like McCartney three podcast episode out today. And I'm like, well, the album just came out like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, Live with it a bit, you know, I know yeah. it's uh, it's a, that's the problem with the, the Beatles is there's just there's too many of them. Like there's too many Beatles podcasts out there. I, I think what's good about what you guys have done is you've come at it from a different angle as well. Mm. And so the ranking the Beatles, I mean, ranking, I really enjoy kind of ranking like videos rank the movies of the marvel cinematic universe or rank the you know the james bonds or what i've always enjoyed ranking so it's like and i've done that before with um with uh the, the beatles like I've, I've done my own rank in the past um so yeah so i've i haven't got it to hand so don't ask me but um uh yeah so it's, it's always like ah oh. but i mean it's so hard as well yeah and and whenever you do it whenever you do rank things someone will always say how could you put that uh, that how could you put that 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 number? That's outrageous! Like, all right, well, what would you put below it? Oh well, well, well. Uh, so you know, yeah. so you always have that thing of like, it's very easy to criticize someone's ranking, but mm. then try and do it yourself. Then you know, and uh, yeah, it makes it a lot harder. It's a very hard thing to do. So, well done for doing it. Well, thank you, man. And I also kind of like that we approach it as like this is strictly Jonathan's opinion, like. Mm. This is not the end all be all. Like we do not think that everyone should subscribe to this ranking. Right. Like it's literally his yeah. personal preference of where he would put the songs, and he's even changed his mind a little bit on some songs. Yeah. So yeah. you know, yeah. we don't approach it with like the intensity of some mm. of some in the fandom. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think what what's what will be interesting is is you know when I when I do the Oasis A to Z and people that don't know. Um, Every now and then, it's 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 <laughs> it becomes less regular because I, I spend a lot of time do, doing interviews, and so you know it's like oh, I really need to get back to the A to Z. But um, in each of those, whenever I do that, I do a Twitter poll, and it normally gets sort of a, at least a few hundred um, votes, um, and then you know rank out of you know five, four, three, two, or whatever. I think there's been a couple of times, and I've put because Twitter you can only do four choices, mm. so I think there's been a couple of times I've said four, three, two, one. <laughs> Um, but most of the time it's five, four, three, two, and then comment if you want to say one or zero. And so when we come to the end of 
you know, however long this is going to be, probably years in the future now, but there will be like a very definite, okay, well, this is the ranking according to hundreds of Oasis super fans. So that will be interesting. Yeah, that will be. Um, yeah, because it's, it's, I, I think it will probably be the biggest sort of vote, you know, biggest ranking or, or vote experiment of its nature, I would have thought. So, yeah, we'll see. That's fine. Uh, Champagne Supernova winning so far, but we got Don't don't Go Away and Don't Look Back in Anger coming up next, so we'll see Uh-oh. what happens. Uh, don't Go Away is still, like, top three Oasis tunes for me. I adore that song. I absolutely. And, and I mean, oh, of course, yeah, I love absolutely. Don't Look Back in Anger, but there's always been something about Don't Go Away for me. Ever since Be Here Now came out, I was like, that song is just brilliant i love that song yeah yeah i've told the story on my podcast before but i'd decided don't go away was my favorite song before i'd heard the song (laughs) and it was because there was you know like q magazine or or, you know rolling stone i'm sure as well would do reviews of albums before you could hear them Mm -hmm. and so and i was on this is summer of 97 so i'm 17 i was on holiday with my um, family and a friend of mine came on holiday and so we had like the Q magazine reviewing Be Here Now before Be Here Now had come out. Mm. So you know, just devouring this review and like every everything about it. And I remember the I remember it now that the review of Don't Go Away said Baccarat style horns and a shimmering coda. I'm just like Ooh, shimmering coda. Shimmering coda. Anything that's got a shimmering coda is is, <laughs> is is right. That's my favourite song. And then when I got back. Um, when I got back to the UK, my 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 other like my bandmates basically, they played four four of the Be Here Now songs on the evening session on Radio One, and uh, and Don't Go Away was one of them, and I can physically it's one of the most visceral experiences ever hearing a song for me. Like I remember sitting on my sofa with my friends there, and they'd recorded it and like listen to this one, and then when that sort of the first chorus hits in when it just hits Don't Go Away for the first time, I'm. <gasps> so don't go away. Visibly swooned, but um, anyway, there you go. Enough Oasis chat. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to it. <laughs> we'll circle back. I'm sure. No, I love those experiences. Like, I feel like anyone that has some sort of relationship with music has at least one of those experiences where they'll never forget where they were, who they were with, yeah. and the exact way some song made mm. them feel. And I, I love those stories because yeah. it's like. You know, it's it's always different for people, and sometimes it's very surprising what song that was for people. And it's it's just like such a great memory to like hear how and why people connect with like one song off an album. Yeah, it's so yeah. great. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Music is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely we'll, we're definitely gonna circle back on some Oasis stuff, but I do want to get into some Beatles with you because you know I was pleasantly surprised, uh, you know, to kind of discover how much of a Beatles fan you are. So I do want to ask you, you know, how did you first discover the Beatles? When did they first come onto your radar? Well, Paul McCartney's my granddad. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. No, he's not really. We all know each other over here. We all do. Right. Um, no, actually, there is um, there is a couple of connections, actually. There was a, a boy in my school who was called Richard White, and I think his 
His great uncle was Alan White, who played on uh, on John Lennon's albums. Imagine, yeah. uh, a friend of mine, Will Cooper. I think his mum had been to school with Paul McCartney. So there is, you know, there is connections. Mm-hmm. You know, you do end up getting these little. We can joke. Oh yeah, I go for tea with the Queen once a week or whatever. <laughs> but you know, there there is. It, we are a pretty small island, so you do get these connections here and there. Um, but uh, no, I mean, for me, like. I think like any any British person growing up, the Beatles are always just part of your life. It's always there. Um, like, you know, like Nursery Rhymes or whatever, Yellow Submarine, and all these things are just part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, this is the interesting thing, and I don't... I was I did an interview recently with um, Andre Barrow, who was George Harrison from um, the, the Bootleg Beatles. Right. And I was, I was making the point to him that actually, you know, when you look back at the 80s, the Beatles weren't cool in the UK. Like I think they were accepted. Like okay, they're you know they're the Beatles. They were the biggest, mm-hmm. but they weren't cool. Like not in the way that they are now, and that they were in the in the nineties. And so for me, as the Be- the Beatles growing up, it was just like another like Cliff Richard or something. You know, it was just okay. That's that old music that's not that interesting. My parents' generation. You know, and and when I. Yeah, exactly. And then when I sort of got into music originally, when I was like 11, 12, 13, it's like dance music or like the prodigy and, and people like that, or like a rave music was big in the scene, like, um, or like heavier stuff like Nirvana and, and, um, and uh, Metallica even and, and things like that. And then getting to like being 14 and listening to stuff like Green Day and things like that. But, and it was really Oasis coming along where um, Oasis and the Beatles anthology kind of happened around the same time for me. So this is 1994. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you started hearing like bands like Oasis and Blur. So I'm like 14 in 1994. And it's like, oh, no, we love the Beatles. Like the Beatles are massive to us. And we're like, oh, OK, I probably need to go and listen to the Beatles then. And um, and I remember listening to I'm the Walrus, cause obviously Oasis cover I'm the Walrus. Um, and dropping a clip of it here. <laughs> Um, sorry, podcast. Um, oh, it, it, it will be. <laughs> and um, uh, I give myself edit points. Sorry. And uh, yeah, so so Oasis do a version of Armed Walrus, and it's a live version. It's really rocking and heavy. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I have to go back and listen to this Armed Walrus tune. Then bought Magical Mystery Tour on CD and was like, what the hell is this? Like, this is just weird. I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I thought the Beatles were supposed to be good this is just like there's no guitars like this is so weird um and so it took me a while and i got it was a birthday or christmas and i got um i said right i need to get into the beatles um so i i asked for like a i think i asked for like the blue album or something um but i actually got given uh past masters volume one and two fantastic yeah and it was actually a brilliant brilliant introduction to the beatles Mm -hmm. because you know, it's all for people that don't know, although if you listen to this, you do know. Uh, it's all of the non-album songs. So it's basically everything. It gets you caught up. If you've got the albums and you've got past masters, you've got everything, pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, so it was a really incredible thing for me because you've got like Hey Jude and you've got like uh, some of the big songs in there. But then you've got like Come, Come Give Me a Dinah Hand and, and She Lip Dick and stuff like that. And, and there's Thank You Girl and, and all these like really interesting like really out there tunes and i remember just hammering that tape 
um, and then going off and buying and then just buying all the CDs. And uh, yeah, and so within a, a, a year or so, just fully, just a complete Beatles maniac. Um, but then over the years, it's so interesting because I always thought within my group of friends and everything, I was the number one Beatles nerd who knew everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm the Beatles guy, you know. Right. But then now it's just ridiculous like because everyone's obviously got access to so much information all the time i'm i'm an amateur really like i don't know that much yeah <laughs> um you know when you compare it to people that are literally know every single thing mm-hmm. um but yeah but no I, I still love them i listen to them all the time um it's just comfort food it's just the best music in the world yeah um and yeah and I, it's just something i i always always go back to how do you so i know you're also a musician as as well as uh, as, as well as a fan and, and, a, and obviously a podcaster, um, how would you point to any ways that the Beatles have impacted what you do uh, musically or in, in this entertainment field of, of podcasting? Or in, I guess I the would, field I of would, fandom. I don't even know what you would what you would call what we're doing here. <laughs> just just chatting crap into the internet. I think. Right. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, to, well, just let me first point out because anyone that, that actually knows me in real life and would hear this and would immediately laugh at me being a musician. Um, I was a singer in a band, like, and so a singer is not a musician, right? So <laughs> I was like the the the, the um, were, you, arrogant... were you a singer or a front man? I was a front man. I was a front yeah, man. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like an amalgamation of like Jarvis Cocker, Liam Gallagher, Damon Albarn, Mark Morris from the Blue Tones. Like just that was sort of prance around and, and try and get a reaction out of people, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was that was basically my job. Um, that's was a like, talent in and of itself, though. Don't well, sell yes, yourself short. For sure. Yeah. Well, the, the whole whole being able to sing it would be useful as well. I mean, after I after I kind of the band split and went its own separate ways and they got other guys in that could actually sing they were like yeah it's, it's good that this new guy can sing but i do really miss the james just prancing around and being an idiot <laughs> like it's just sort of a, that was the, that was the one thing that i could do because you know especially you know as, as a musician as a proper musician like that's part of the thing is just to get people to to stop talking and watch yeah. you know if you that's... if you're lucky enough to get more than a handful of people in a, in a bar or a club or whatever that's a, that's a successful you know, night. The they're yeah. not interested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're they're not interested. They're they're just sat there. They're going to be, you know, or they're like the six people that have come with with the other band, you know. And then mm-hmm. there's the six people that come with the other band. And so, you're really just trying to get them to pay attention, really. So, so that was my thing. I was just sort of quite obnoxious and and uh, would try and be outrageous and just trying to annoy people. Very <laughs> very inspired by, you know, Oasis and and how they were very antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, yeah. So no, I would never claim to be a musician. But um, I mean, the Beatles were. I think the Beatles were um, definitely secondary, um, like inspiration. Because you know, my my friend Joel, who was the songwriter in the band, and we still do little bits of music every now and then together. Um, and when I say we do bits of music, I'll say, Joel, why don't we do something like this? And then he'll just go off and do it all, <laughs> and then I'll sing over the top of it. That's so the best way to do the, it, right there. It's the best collaboration, isn't it? Um, <laughs> But yeah, and and so yeah, but it's it's you can't not be inspired by the Beatles. Um, and then and then in terms of podcasting, I mean, a massive inspiration for me was the Something About the Beatles podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Buskin and Rob Rodriguez. Yeah. Unfortunately, they've gone their separate ways now. Yep. And, and um, uh, Richard has his own podcast now, The Beatles Naked, which is also very good. But um, yeah, so that was that was the big thing for me because 
because it, it wasn't just chat it was how it had these clips in it you know and then you guys do the same and so you know so you would have not just talk and discussion and things but you know you'd have like two hour discussions about this things going really deep and clips dropping in it was like wow that's fantastic yeah. like every episode is basically a, a new beatles documentary i love it you know and so that was really what i wanted to bring to oasis mm-hmm. was that level of discussion that just oasis don't get you know the beatles get it bowie dylan get it but oasis don't get it everyone just assumes oh oasis right okay yeah. but they're massive, you know, they're still so huge and there's so much to discuss and so much interesting stuff and they deserve it. They might not deserve the scholarly level that the Beatles have, but they definitely deserve a lot more than they get in terms of that real... Let's understand what's happening here, both in the social side of it and in the, you know, and in the physically and the music side of it. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was so definitely big up to, to um, Robert and Richard for something about the Beatles. It's funny that you, that you mentioned that because that podcast... And your podcast are very much kind of what I thought about modeling kind of the format of what we do here <laughs> when I started putting this together. Uh, it was definitely kind of taking, you know, a bit of, of, of juice from what you all have done. Going, well, I love how they bring the clips in and like kind of weave them in and out of things. It really gives that context more on, you know, a bit more clarity. So Thank you for. <laughs> You're thank welcome. You for that. <laughs> do I get? I want five percent of all the um, advert revenue, please. That'll be fine. <laughs> You've got twenty cents <laughs> headed to your Venmo account. <laughs> well, uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into this week's song? If you're up for it, you ready? Yeah, go for it. Wonderful. Well, coming in this week at number one eighty-eight is Little Child. So a brief rundown on Little Child. So John and Paul often talk a lot about certain songs being kind of work songs, songs that are written uh, for other artists like Peter and Gordon or Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas. Um, songs that were or songs that were written as filler to complete an album or songs that they knocked out to give to George and Ringo so they could have their requisite album tracks. Uh, you know, these songs were, you know, they, they tended to quit to, to write them really quickly, uh, trying to keep them kind of simple and snappy. And Little Child is one of those work songs. And it was, actually was originally written to be Ringo's vocal on the With the Beatles album. Uh, so Ringo apparently didn't care much for it because he passed on it and uh, decided they, they brought him... Um, I want to be your man for that record, actually. Uh, but the band still deemed it good enough to keep in the pile for the record. Um, so for such a simple song, they actually spent a surprising amount of time on the track in the studio. Uh, it took them three different sessions to record it, uh, a number of different edits and overdubs and splices. Uh, the solo section is spliced from a different take. Um, so it's kind of a hodgepodge you know, master track. Um, but um, it ends up being released on With the Beatles in the UK and on Meet the Beatles in the US. And actually was never performed live, uh, either on stage or in a BBC session by the band. Interesting. For a song that's a pretty simple kind of, you know, effective rock tune. Uh, So Mm. why do I have this at 188? 
So for a track that on paper, when looking at the session history, seems to be kind of a little slapdash in its writing and recording, uh, I've got to say, I think it just kind of, the song just rocks. You know, in 1963, uh, you know, they're still very much a garage band, and they're still kind of relying on the harmonica in their, in their material. Um, it's somewhat of a gimmick, but, you know, they are still doing good stuff with it. I think for me, you know, for my money here, this is maybe one of John's best harmonica tracks. Um, it's usual, it's unusual in the, in the sense that the harmonica runs through the entirety of the track, you know, the, the same way that a guitar would accompany a track. Um, it runs the entire way through, uh, and, and, and it's just kind of this nice little additional, you know, movement to it. And then the solo, the harmonica solo, it really just smokes. It's one of the, the only times that we get a real kind of bluesy, uh, you know, chordal, you know, harmonica solo from him. And he just nails it on that. And it's funny because usually you hate early Beatles harmonica. 100%. Parts. <laughs> so, 100%. You were like, I don't hate this one. This is nice. Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, there is harmonica on here. What's different about this one? Yeah. That it doesn't make me cringe. Yeah. Hmm. He's not doing like single note harmonica melody. It's just like more chord, you know, multi-note things. Yeah, and it's sort of, it's like, it feels like it's more sort of buried in the mix. Like it's not separate from everything else where it's like so abrasive it's just sort of like going along right. with it i don't know i don't i'm not a musician i don't know the fancy terms people <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know and on top of that i think this is one of the first times if not the first time that one of the band members uh, handles the piano duties on the song uh typically on the first two records george martin had handled all the piano playing uh but on this track paul is actually the pianist on it and does a great job on it. Shows himself to be a fine pianist from the get-go. And it's really almost kind of like a barrel house rocking little piano track that really takes the place of guitar in the track. The guitar, the rhythm guitar is virtually, you know, negligible mm. in the song. It's really just harmonica and piano. Uh, and it gives it a real excitement to it. Um, the biggest issue I have in it is in the mix. Uh, the stereo mix, which is the one that's readily available, is really all over the place. Uh, instruments are in the left channel. Vocals are on the right. Uh, which always kind of bugs me. And then in the solo, which is spliced from another take, the whole thing just goes straight into the middle. So it really throws your whole kind of uh, sonic spectrum off in your head a little bit. But that's kind of a small nitpick to have on the track. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's just a great little rockin' tune. And the only thing that it has going against it is that it's, you know, just a, it's surrounded by other songs that are just better. And I can't fault it for that. I don't think it's a bad song. I think uh, maybe gets a little overlooked, a little underappreciated, but you know. Is that the only thing that it has going against it? <laughs> well, I will. I will turn the, the the floor to you then, if you would like to take it from here. Um, yeah, it's hella creepy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think it's really interesting that Ringo passes on this one, uh, because like was it ten years later? You said mm -hmm. he um. He does uh, You're 16, <laughs> which sure. is significantly also creepy. Um, and also, like not, e like, not even, like, the music is good on that one. Like, the whole thing is bad. Like, A, it's creepy. <laughs> B, the song is bad. <laughs> this one, at least, like, the music's good. Sure. Mm. Still really creepy, though. What is with them in underage? <laughs> Like, <laughs> it was a different time. It was oh. a different time. It, it was. was. I mean, okay. when you think back to like, you know, oh. I saw her standing there. You know, she was just seventeen, and I you feel like know even what I mean, right? But for some reason, like 
at that time, like people in their twenties were still considered part of like the teenage crowd, which mm. is always weird to me. Like, mm. you know, that's like well, the teen scene, the teen beat. Well, you know? how old well, were they when like, they did? She's just seven. Like, when, when they wrote it, they were probably seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Okay, well that makes more sense. I mean, here they're 21, 20, 20, 21, 22. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I think I think that it's it's always difficult, and this is obviously a, a key point about this and Hello Little Girl and, and quite a few of these other ones. Hello Little Girl, Hello Little Girl, Hello Little Girl. When I see you every day, I say, mm-hmm. Hello Little Girl. And um, I mean, number one, they were singing to teenage girls, so so that you have to remember that you know all their songs like McCartney says in an anthology it was all like thank you girl you know it was all talking to the it was basically just them sort of you know directly speaking to their audience and so you know they were talking to little girls and so they are saying you know it's not necessarily a romantic song but you know I think baby and and little girl a little child it's it is it's just that language of love songs that was just a bit more it's not as acceptable now, I think, but I think it was just that was the language of love songs. You know, mm-hmm. there's the what's that tune like? Young girl, get out of my life. That song All creeps me out. <laughs> you know, that song um, creeps me out because he just... specifically says like, "You're much too young, girl." Yeah, and that's just. I, know. Like, I mean, Christ, how old? How young was she? You're really committed to. You know. <laughs> yeah, but it was just. I think these days, like, there is so much. You know, it's just like boom, taboo. No, you mustn't. But there was just a lot more. Um, you know, discussion of that in in those sort of songs back then. Yeah. So it's it's uh, yeah, it is into modern ears. Ooh, but but I think um, I think that the, the the I always read it just as well. Look, they are singing. These are songs of like gratitude to teenage girls, and they are songs that you know they know these girls are gonna scream and ah, you know, and so there's he's calling them little child, little child, you know, and I suppose he couldn't have called it little girl because they'd done hello little girl, I suppose. So mm-hmm. so. You know, you got to mix up a bit, but it is weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's creepy. Like uh, going to the creepy factor as well. I mean, number one, just calling it little child is one thing, but then the way that like I'm so sad and lonely. <laughs> it's, oh, you know, it's just something like yeah. that. I, I love the Lean delivery on that, it. It but really it's, it's so it. it's so silly. Yeah. You know, it's because it's it's quite um, it's innocent in that sort of like. Oh shucks, sort of way. I'm so sad and lonely. <laughs> this doesn't feel like a, a predator, you know. This feels like, you know, teenage love kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it is it is creepy. I, I completely get that, but I I don't, I you know, it's not one of those ones that you just like, ooh, like run for your life or something. You think like, yeah, hasn't aged well. Yeah. I think this is this is okay. I, I'll go with it. So when I know when we discussed this, you said this was one of your. One of your Beatle favorites. What is it that that you like that you love about this song? What draws you to it? Uh, it it's not necessarily one of my favorites. I I I really like. I, I say I'm happy to discuss any Beatles song. I and and I don't necessarily think that like um, I haven't got much to bring to a discussion like like we were saying earlier. Penny Lane, like Strawberry Fields, like what we all know about that. There's no, there's nothing. What, what more is there to be said about those songs? Um, mm-hmm. So whereas with something like this, what I find really interesting is like you know is when you actually look at the structure of the song as well um so most songs go verse chorus verse chorus middle eight chorus or whatever whereas this is like 
bam, you get that one little second of harmonica, and then boom, we're in. Little child, little child. And that's like the chorus. So we're going to start on a chorus mm-hmm. in the same way that like It Won't Be Long starts on the chorus. Um, you're like, bam, we're straight in. We're not going in with the verse. We're going in, boom, straight in with the chorus. Okay. And then you just get that hook. And then you go to that section... Um, which you'd say would be the verse, but that that to me feels like the most kind of thrown off, you know. And even in the backing vocals and stuff, I think they're singing different words. They haven't. They he's not really, you know. Then it's like, come on, yeah. come on, come on. Like they're obviously just like, yeah, whatever. That will do. Not yeah. that part. <laughs> whatever out. makes it. Whatever finishes yeah. the track. Yeah, it needs to get. So he likes that little child, little child section. So we need another section to go to. So just write that one. Okay. And then we'll go back into the little child, little child bit, into the harmonica solo, back into it. And then boom, we're out, you know. And I love yeah. a, a two minute song. Like, I, I think that you should request like special dispensation from the Songwriters Guild <laughs> if you're going to go beyond four minutes. There is normally very, very few reasons why a song needs to be longer than like two minutes, 33 seconds. Like, get in, get it done, get out. Like that's all you need to do. There's no reason for long songs. But um, wait a minute, wait a minute, James. You host an Oasis podcast. <laughs> the shortest Oasis song is like four and a half minutes. Man, come on. <laughs> like I remember when when As You Were came out, and I was listening to um, oh, what is it a uh, Greedy Soul? I was thinking like this sounds like a late period Oasis tune to me, except it's only three and a half minutes long. Otherwise, yeah, it would have yeah. had two more minutes of like outro and like yeah. people walking out of a room and a door closing <laughs> and like an airplane, like <laughs> helicopter. A, a helicopter comes in. Like, yeah, those yeah. Oasis they are have a got band that. that long songs are like the bread and butter of Oasis, and I love that. Yes, yeah, but but actually, um, I, I kind of give Oasis special dispensation. Um, but but yeah, they, I mean, but then even with a lot of Oasis songs, I think that there's often times you could probably drop the third verse you know you could probably there's no real need to have another chorus you know like some of them do deserve it but sure. you know some sometimes in songs it's like did stand by me need a third verse you know like it, it <laughs> probably not you know so so there are um you know but but no generally generally most songs i think you can just bang get in sure. get it done and get out because especially if you just you know most songs only have three or four different melody lines you mm. know that's all you've got you know and so it really is just then a case of just them just repeating over and over again and so there's just no need like especially when the great pop like the beatles there is no need for a song like there's a you know one of my favorite bands is do or die uh, super furry animals they've got a tune called do or die it's like one minute 20 bam just mm-hmm. in out and it, that's all you need it, it just tells the story of the song dumb you know it's just dumb and um, yeah, and, and I do really like that about this song. It doesn't hang around. It doesn't outstay its welcome. You just straight away that burst of adrenaline. That great. That first section is great. This next section, fine. It's just a bit rubbish, but that's okay. Fine, whatever. Into that cool harmonica solo, we're and we're done. And it's just like a, a great little injection in melody. And then the next track on the album is um, "Till There Was You." And so it's just a really lovely little burst of another fun pop song yeah and then we've got you know paul can can do and do his um balladeering thing um <laughs> but yeah so it is you know it's it's a but you know the, but like i was saying it's not a verse chorus verse chorus yeah. this is the beatles and they don't do they don't do that very often they will normally do something weird yeah you know and in this and like you're saying earlier like the piano 
it is there's almost like a wall of sound it's 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 almost a spectre wall of sound going on here mm-hmm. you know there's piano in it and there's that harmonica in it and there is like there's a lot going on you can't just unpick every instrument here it's, right. it, there is a, a a deep sound the the all the different um backing vocals going on as well in there um i really like the the way that the the harmonica solo then goes to like a 12 bar blues kind of thing mm-hmm. so it's it's a different chord sequence to the to the rest of the song yeah. but i tell you what like like you said then um listening on headphones um it's so jarring it when that solo ends And you're like, oh, <laughs> what's just gone wrong there? Yeah. Because it's so jarring. I mean, there are some bad cuts in, in Beatles tracks, but that's one of the worst. Yeah. And, and like you say, and when it starts off as well, and you're just like, wait, wait what's right. going on? Is <laughs> what's wrong with, wrong with these headphones? Oh, no. I know. And you just think, come on, what the hell were they doing? But yeah, so, so listening to this on mono um is such a different experience yeah. and it's much better listen to this on mono. it's one of those ones that i when they reissued the catalog in 2009 i think was the last one yeah uh, i found myself going why didn't we fix that like this could have been addressed in some way like <laughs> come on guys like this it's such a a weird and i get that like that record you know those first two records were made like you know get product into the marketplace as fast as we can capitalize while this thing is going um but as time went on, why did we never? Why did they never go back and fix that? It's just you know one mm, of those things that like weird. grinds in my gears for some reason. But um, I think one of the yeah. one of the things that you briefly mentioned about was was adrenaline, and I think that's a perfect um, mm. adjective for this song. Like it might be you know it may not have any real like weight or value as like you know a lyrical genius song, um, but it's got so much like fun adrenaline to it it's that early like fun Beatlemania feel Mm. um and i think also Mm. you know on this record that's where they really kind of start to play with arrangement a bit and structure and like there's uh, um uh you mentioned it earlier um it won't be long uh this one and i think there's maybe one or two others where they start with the chorus um and it's like they realized oh well we can we can do that like we can start trying different things and that's kind of like those first early yeah. steps of like Beatle experimentation, you know. A little little Jolene yeah. vibes there well. with the the <laughs> chorus at the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah we watched the Dolly true. Parton documentary the other night, so now you're looking at all that. It's all up here, <laughs> yeah. up in my brain. But like the fade out Fantastic. as well, you know. A lot of this, I think they've, they've said that on any interviews. Well. It's like, oh, they can do fade outs, you know. So suddenly started doing fade outs and all the records, which is something in here. I think that. Yeah. The, one of the things what I think it does it doesn't quite have it like we're saying that that other section like I suppose you'd call it the verse section um it's not quite different enough you know it's not normally the Beatles when it when it goes to a new section they really surprise you and it will, it will mm-hmm. go oh wow what's that whereas this doesn't um, and it when I'm when I sing this song to myself what where my brain often takes me to is any time at all because like I'm so sad and lonely baby take a chance with me if you want, uh, no, but actually, I tend to go to that um, anytime at all. Anytime, oh, anytime at all. all. Anytime at all. Don't, don't, don't. 
and time it all. I'll be there. If you need somebody to love, just look into my eyes. I'll be there to make you feel right. See, that's there's chords in there. You go, oh. What mm-hmm. you know, and and that to me is that's like a different set. You know what I mean? Like you've got that any time at all is just great pop, and mm-hmm. uh, and then you go to that section, it's it's just that little like oh that's a bit off kilter, whereas that yeah. to me is when when a Beatles early Beatles song goes to another level. Whereas this little child isn't little child is just like a standard, great cool Beatles rocker. You know it doesn't right. quite have that extra quirkiness that took it to the next level. So um, so yeah, but look you know it's still. I'd never skip it, you know. That's yeah. I think that's that's a, a a point. There was there are some early Beatles songs I would skip, um, but I wouldn't skip that one. It's just a, a great fun yeah. little burst of two minutes. But yeah, all good. Right on. Any uh, any other thoughts on this one, Julian? <laughs> I think I covered and it. And there it goes again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it like the music is great. Like it's a it's a banger. Like yeah. the, like you said, it has tons of energy. It's good. I just like if they had just not used child. <laughs> I would be like, great song. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So at 188 for Little Child, do you think we're at a good place? Higher or lower um, for you? I don't know. I'd, I'd need to go back to my list, actually, <laughs> and just double check. But um, I don't think that's that, that outrageous, yeah. to be honest. Um, I think, like like we've said, I think there are kind of the novelty songs or the the just the, the not very good ones or the sort of annoying ones that I would put lower. Um this is inoffensive, except if you find the lyrical content <laughs> offensive. Um, other than that, it's inoffensive, and so it's hard to not. There's not much you can't like about it, except for the lyrics. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I'd probably say that's about right. You know, you, you you're not going to argue it's top ten, um, but um, yeah. I, what would be interesting, and I often think this is the case with the Beatles because the Beatles get something that's done by the Beatles is heralded as you know, worthy of discussion, like we were saying earlier. Um, whereas if this was a song by the Mersey Beats or by, you know, Jerry and the Pacemakers, you know, would it even be discussed? Right. You know, if it was a Holly's B-side, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Would we even... Whereas it's like anything the Beatles do, it's like, oh, now listen, that this chord change here. Whereas actually, you know, there's there's... Is it that amazing? You know, that's it's always something I always try and sort of take a step back. Um, you know, and, and obviously with early Beatles, it's interesting because we have got versions of that. We've got cover versions of Bad to Me and Hello Little Girl and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do have that example of, well, yeah, well, that was released a single actually and it did nothing, you know, or it did OK. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it is interesting to me, but I, I just think it's got enough. Um, it's got enough vim and vigor to, to sort of take it into a, a decent level. And, and I just go back to that. That like I'm so sad and lonely. <laughs> That's just so much fun, right. mm-hmm. you know. A point I make, a point I make about um, modern music, and Oasis had it, is a bit of humour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so many bands, especially '60s bands, have got an element of humour yeah. to them. You know, and you wouldn't find that these days. You know, you don't find that. There's so little humour in in mainstream rock or pop that they're not. People aren't willing to sort of do silly mm-hmm. things. You know. Like do like silly wordplay and and like you know do little voices like that. I'm so sad and lonely. <laughs> you know, it's just such fun. You know, it's pop music should be yeah. fun, and um, so something like that. I just think's 
lovely. It's just such fun to sing along to. And, you know, um, I was playing a song earlier. I've got I've got young kids, well, like 14, 8 and 10. And, you know, and they're all bopping their heads to it and singing along to it. And you can't not, you know, even if you've, you might have never heard it before. You heard it once. You can sing along to it, which is the mark of a, a great tune, I think. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. 188, what say you, Julia? Yeah, I'm pretty good with it. I feel like we're in this pocket of, you know, songs are good. They're not groundbreaking, but they're not terrible either. They're just like, yeah, enjoyable. Yeah. Super enjoyable song. It's great. Cool. It's yeah. Mm. I love it. Well, fantastic. Let's uh, let's put it on the board. Leave it there. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, you know, I think it takes a real strong connection to a band or real uh, strong feelings about a band uh, to, ha- to, to go into a podcast devoted to that band like like you're doing for oasis like we're doing for the beatles um you know you've got to have a real strong connection there uh what is that connection for you and oasis i'm curious if that if it kind of like if it's the same kind of thing that i feel about the beatles well i think that the the oasis was my band right so that was that was the one that was like if you've got a football team or like you know whatever your your thing is that mm-hmm. is your thing you know oasis was my thing you know and and so you know, for us in 1994, like I was saying, I was into loads of different sorts of music, um, like Green Day, Dookie was a massive album for me in 1994, and stuff like Jamiroquai and The Prodigy and all these sort of different types of music. But then when Britpop came along, it was like, oh no, this is it. This is it. Scrap all that, bin it all. You know, like <laughs> punk people talk about punk year zero, you know, where mm-hmm. people just burned all their Pink Floyd t-shirts and suddenly shaved their heads and became punks. Whereas that was for me, I didn't burn my Jamiroquai, you know, CD, but <laughs> like, um, you know, Oasis, it was like, okay, go and get a haircut, like get the, you know, this is just it now. Yeah. This is full on. And I'm really, I feel really lucky to be part of a generation that had that, you know, I'm sure every generation has, you know, if you're if your big thing was Lady Gaga, if your big thing is the 1975, like, fine, you know, that would be brilliant. And I'm sure these people love it and it's exciting to them. Like, and if that was an album that came out when you were 14, 15, it meant the world to you. Fantastic. But what I'm really lucky, what I feel really lucky is that, you know, the albums that came out to that, that rocked my world when I was 14, 15 were like Oasis, definitely maybe, and, and Different Class by Pulp. You know, these were the things that were like, wow and and they've held up mm-hmm. you know it's not like it was take that or, or bros or like you know backstreet boys or something yeah. and you're like oh that was my album and people oh, really okay <laughs> <laughs> you know whereas whereas this was my album and people are like oh okay and they they understand that it was part of a big movement and stuff so you know so i'm very lucky and then um and then i i followed them sort of 94 end of 94 was really when i got into them when i was like 14 went to see them quite a few times um throughout the mid to late 90s and then sort of as the um as they kind of dipped in popularity and also to be fair in quality in the 2000s um i kind of went off them quite a bit and you know a lot of people do really really love that stuff and actually having gone back and and rediscovered it myself there is a lot i I don't think I, i gave it the time and attention it deserved to be fair but but yeah I mean just life was different I was just into different things and I'd kind of was like okay well that's sort of I'm not as bothered every album that came out I would listen to mm-hmm. I listened to it like a couple of times and then it would go away 
and I was listening to loads of other different types of music and bands and and also just getting into other things you know just not not following it as closely and then children come along stuff like that so it just didn't really I wasn't as bothered really um, and they were always like my band and they were always like my you know my thing I'd been into as a kid and, and uh, as a teenager in early 20s um, but then it was really getting an iPhone right so that was really the big difference mm-hmm. is that I had you know as I said I've, I love podcasts I've always loved uh, as soon as podcasts came out it was just brilliant for me I just thought oh that's great because the stuff I love I really love I'm a geek about and I want to hear people talk about in depth yeah whether that's film or TV or music or sport like these are the things that I don't want to have like a two minute section on another thing you know I just want to hear my thing and dig into right. it and get into it so when podcasts came out and then when like YouTube videos or whatever I was just like oh brilliant I can just deep dive into the stuff I'm into this is fantastic and I'd always wanted to do a podcast as well I did media at university and, and I'd sort of I did like a, a sort of a, a one-off episode with like a friend of mine like a few years ago but it just never really went anywhere and then and it was really getting an iPhone just thinking like this one little square I can do it all myself you know and, and my couple, a couple of American friends of mine actually that do a, a movies podcast movie multiverse um, I was like how do you do it like what, you know what do you physically record on this stuff and he told me how he does it and I was like great I can do that then you know, I say I'm a, a complete technophobe idiot, but I could figure that out. You know, mm. even even me. And so I was able to figure it out. And then so literally, I was just like, right, I'm going to do an Oasis podcast. Then so one, I was literally I was stuck in traffic on my phone. I picked up, uh, I was stuck in traffic in my car. Picked up the phone, said, "Welcome to the Oasis podcast." Like blah 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 blah, and started just talking about it. Edited it together, dropped in a few clips, put it up, and then like within a couple of days, it had like 700 downloads or whatever I was wow. like how did that happen you know <laughs> that's fantastic and because um, people were ready people were ready for an Oasis podcast mm-hmm. um, I'd been looking for one for years you know every every sort of couple of months of just search on iTunes is there an Oasis podcast oh, no okay there'd be like an episode you know of someone talking about Oasis on another podcast but I'll oh, listen to that and as soon as it was like I was like great mm-hmm. you know managed to nick the name Oasis podcast got in there just got in that. time too. <laughs> I know I know well before uh, the official Oasis people did so when they did when they did a podcast a couple of years ago they had to call it Listen Up mm-hmm. the Oasis podcast they couldn't call it the Oasis yep. podcast because I'd nicked it <laughs> and I I every day I, I always wonder and think I'm sure that someone up at Ignition, who is the Oasis management company, they must just be like, that bloody guy. Arsehole, <laughs> <laughs> nicked our name. Right? They but, probably have you know, like your face on like a dartboard in their <laughs> office or something. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, um, it's like Tom Cruise in Far and Away sticks that flag in the ground. Right? But, remember that? Yep. Um, I was surprised they anyway, didn't contact so, yes, you about that. When they, when they did do that five episode podcast whatever it was yeah I was it's interesting actually because I um, I think they're they're very reticent about doing anything with fans and they always have mm-hmm. they've, they've always been it's, it's a funny situation because it's a crazy situation you could even say because they've got um, a band that doesn't exist and they've got like a marketing machine behind it and a management company behind a band that doesn't exist yeah so what does that mean? And what do you do? 
and the, and the management company behind it manage Noel Gallagher. Right. But they don't manage Liam Gallagher. Mm. So, or and they have nothing to do with the others. So you have a very strange situation in that there's been times when Noel Gallagher's Twitter feed has put out stuff about Oasis, and you've gone like, what? You go, oh, whoops! Right. The person that ignitions probably <laughs> pressed the wrong didn't button. Log out. You know, that's funny. Yeah, and so so it is interesting. I mean, when I first started it, I emailed um, Marcus Russell, who is uh, the manager, who was the manager of Oasis, and is still um, one of the managers of Ignition. And I said, look, I'm going to do an Oasis podcast. I'd love to interview you. And I got an email back saying, like, um, no, I'm I'm not interested in doing an interview, but good good luck with it. So I was like. Okay, well, that's kind of given me the go-ahead to go and do mm. it. Um, and since then, I've had zero contact with them. And to be honest, I haven't pushed contact in just in case they do so. Oh, by the way, <laughs> get the hell off of that name yeah. um, and stop using the logo Ooh. and stop, you know, <laughs> because they, they're in every right to do that. But, you know, um, anyway, but I, I think that they a lot of this stuff, like, you know, uh, if people, if you put upload a video, with the Beatles in it, it will get flagged mm-hmm. on YouTube and taken down straight away. Doesn't happen with Oasis. They don't bother. Whether they're just not bothered or if they just think, well, it's fine, everything's fair game. Like it's just all good publicity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a different world. I think they're just happy to just either they're just completely complacent and they're busy dealing with all the other shit that they deal with, or that um, you know, or that they just are fine with it. But yeah, no, I've had very, very little contact. I with have them. to wonder if they um, just sort of understand like the quote unquote like internet age a bit better of like trying to police that is fairly impossible. I mean, if you have Beatles money, you can pay a a yeah. you know, an office full of twenty somethings to just search YouTube and flag things, whatever. It's that's like pennies to them. Yeah. I mean, in Oasis, like, let's yeah. be clear, they're not poor either. Right. But they're just like, you know what? It's all publicity for us. Like, yeah. it exists. Like, you're creating content for them. That's something that they don't have to do. You're keeping their name in people's ears. And they're like, exactly. I feel like it would probably bring them, like, bad vibes to, like, come down on you for it. You know, like, they probably get mm. bad press instead of just free press, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think that's a, that's a really good shout, and that's probably what it is. I mean, what, why why would you? You know, it, it sort of annoyed me a little bit over the years when you think, especially like you know when you just have no contact, you know, with these people, and you think there's other, you know, there's other bands you could do. A, I could do a podcast about various other bands, and I'm sure they'd be like, oh great, you know, that's that's such a big deal. Like a, like I was saying, my friend Casey, who does Movie Multiverse, who helped me out very much his his big thing is ben folds he absolutely oh, loves ben folds i'm like do a ben folds podcast you know i'm sure ben folds he's not there aren't a hundred ben right. folds podcasts you know i'm sure there's probably <laughs> none and so if you did it you'd probably get him you know why not mm. why not do it but whereas whereas the the oasis guys liam and noel are too big like liam and noel are in beatles the who queen territory right sure. so they're up here and they're not going to do a fan podcast it's just not going to happen Whereas the other guys, I mean, I've interviewed Tony McCarroll and Andy Bell. <clears throat> the other ones, <clears throat> I think there's so much, um, there's there's just there's just issues and and it's difficult. And the ones that have gone away have gone away. Like Gwigsy and right. Alan White have just gone away. They just they yeah. don't do anything, you know. Whereas I mean, Alan White's come back and did a little bit of uh, Instagram videos and stuff. But in terms of interviews, they just don't want to talk about it. They're just not going to. 
Whereas then you've got like um, the people that are still connected like with Gam. Noel, like yeah. Gam and Chris Sharrock and people like that. And they're in the Noel thing. So, you know, if you're in Noel's world, you don't go off and do Oasis stuff, really. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's a funny one. But as I say, I mean, it's never really been about that for me. It's not been about, you know, just the quest for Liam or the quest <laughs> for Noel. Um, it has been about, well, let's talk to everyone else. Let's talk to everyone else about their experiences. But Matt Dayton, who came on and played guitar with them, stood in Vanol for like uh, a, a few months, you know, in 2000. Yeah, that was. That was fascinating just to get that insight from someone who was just, who had to just step in and do it as a substitute for a few weeks, you know? That that to me is fascinating. So, you know, I wouldn't turn down sure. Liam Vanol, don't get me wrong. <laughs> You're not but, counting on it either. You know, there's, there's still... There's still hundreds of people that I would have. Have you put the ask out there, just the standing the standing offer for Nolan Liam? Yeah, well Liam I've have had occasional semi regular contact with Debbie, his manager. So mm. hence at the start of the podcast you get a, a little audio message that Liam sent me. Yeah. That goes something like this. All right, it's Liam. I want to thank everyone at the Oasis podcast. As you were. As you were. Um <laughs> as you five were. seconds. Um, yeah. And uh, that is because um, when both the albums came out in 2017, I did a mini episode about it, but like basically I emailed Debbie, who's Liam's manager and also partner, and said, um, you know, oh, we've done our like end of year awards. And it was the year that both Liam and Nola put albums out, 2017. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, and Liam's won, like Liam's won all the awards, basically. It would be great to get a, a message or a comment or something from yourself. And this was like quite late at night for me. I just pinged this email, went to bed, and I just thought I'd just refresh my email just in case. And it's like, blink, email, <laughs> Debbie Gwyther. I'm like, <gasps> and, um, you know, my wife's asleep and I've sort of put the headphones in. And she's emails like, oh, we've done a couple, like Liam's done a couple of messages for you. I hope, okay. And one of them is that basically. And I just snipped out the bit where it mentions the awards when I put it on the thing, you know. <laughs> and then the other one, he does like a, pretend posh voice oh hello it's mr gallagher here like that. and i was like you know so yeah so so when people say like oh when are you gonna have liam on the podcast i'm like hey liam's on every episode of the podcast right. what are you talking about <laughs> so he's basically my co-host right um noel gallagher is just never gonna happen i've accepted that yeah. you know um once like i was saying i don't really want to push it because sure. if you push it too much then like then they might go hold on a minute let's look into this oasis podcast guys so <laughs> yeah then uh, that might cause me problems so generally no because uh, he doesn't do it anyway yeah. the only or the only interviews he does is when he really really has to mm -hmm. um like to promote an album or his mate matt morgan you know he does the yeah. matt morgan podcast all the time yeah which is just his mate and they just chat shit so um yeah whereas he's, i'm never gonna get him so sure. it's just not gonna happen but we'll see you never say never but we'll Never. Well, it's like you know, I decided, you know, this year I'm going to put the standing offer out to Paul and Ringo. I'm just going to throw it out to the management just because just to say I've done it. I don't expect it to ever happen. But the one <laughs> thing I've realized right now is asking people who you think you'll never get on your podcast right now during quarantine and all this. No one's everyone's bored. They have nothing to do. Mm. And people who you think would never do it just go, well, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll do that. So. Yeah, you never know. Right. So you know what? Maybe you know, I, I, they, any song they want to choose, if they want to talk about whatever song happens to be number two, well, I'm just going to have to drop number two way early. 
because it's going to be Ringo. Yeah, you know, exactly. like whatever song you guys want to talk about, <laughs> you want to pick something super obscure, let's do it. So, mm. but you never know. As I say, like it is a case if you don't ask, you don't get. And yeah. and I've been really surprised, like um, about some of the people I've got. You just you just would never have dreamt they'd do it. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I think you're absolutely right. Like I did. Um, you know, uh, Corner Shop, like Tajinder Singh from Corner Shop, you know, who are like, um, yeah, I interviewed him, like, just, but yeah, why not? Like, you know, but he's, he's a, I haven't really tended to go for people in other bands because I've had a few where I've contacted them and they've been like, but it's the Oasis podcast. I wasn't in Oasis. I haven't really got that much to say about Oasis. Yeah. Why would, why do you want to talk to me? You know, whereas I'm like, well, no, but you, you played like 23 shows with them in 1997. I want to hear about that. I, and But but like, once again, it's not just about Oasis. If I was just talking about Oasis the whole time, Christ, it would have been, I would have got bored of it after right. episode 10. <laughs> right. You know, you've got to mix it up. And so, I mean, the other the other um, big influence on it in terms of structure was um, Kevin Smith did a podcast called Fat Man on Batman. Mm-hmm. And and he would talk about he would talk the general thing was these people were connected in some way to Batman, but it would be like an animator, and that worked on like two series of some Batman animated, but then it would be like an hour of his life before he got there, and then what he's done since. And so that I just found really fascinating how all these people's lives kind of intersect, and the one thing they've got in common is they spent time talking about, but you know dealing with Batman in some way. Yeah. Um, and that's so so with the Oasis podcast, I mean, I've, I've done episodes where, you know, we might spend 20 minutes talking about Oasis and then like an hour and a half talking about just general, you know, the rest of their lives and all the other crazy stuff they've done. And that to me is probably more interesting. You know, that's that's uh, fascinating to me. Um, and it's cool that it's got the Oasis podcast hook because people listen to it. Whereas if it wasn't that, then they, maybe they wouldn't. Yeah. So, but anyway. Well, man, this is this is fantastic. I um I absolutely love. Uh, what you're doing and now you've got the new one the thousand and one albums podcast how what made you kind of decide to not pivot to something new because it's still kind of in the same world but what brought that idea on for you yeah well it was um it was because we've been in uh it was lockdown really it was the the going into lockdown and i thought like right as a lockdown pro project i'll listen to the 1001 albums you know i'll, I'll listen to you know, some list, you know, I, I like, I'll watch the 100 films you should watch or I'll listen to the 1000 albums you should listen or whatever. I thought, right, I'll do that then. And I looked around and there was this 1001 albums book and I was like, right, well, that's, that's it then. And I think I've had, I've tried it before, but then just got bored of the jazz and just bailed on it in like the fifties. <laughs> and, um, cause I like jazz, but Jesus, you know, you can't, you can have a, you know, it, it gets a bit much. And so, um, yeah, and so I thought, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But then if you're going to do it, okay, well, being a geek like we all are, well, I'm going to make a spreadsheet or something to keep a track <laughs> right. of it, and I'll maybe I'll rate them or, you know, rank them or something. And then it's like, well, hold on a minute. This is this is content, you know, in this modern world. I don't just want to – there's no point in doing it. I actually have to talk about it and get it out there in some way. But but then I, I didn't just want to go through, like, 1,000 to, to – one because it's like well who's going to come on and talk to me about like dave brubeck mm-hmm. you know what i mean <laughs> like I, you know are people that bothered about coming and talking about these these albums so i thought well what i'll do then is just open it up to my friends and also other musicians that have been involved um 
that I know from the Oasis world or just from, you know, contacting people to come on and do it. And just like, excuse me, and just open it up. And so don't just do 1001 to one, but just jump mm-hmm. it around. And then also, if people want to talk about something that's not on the list, we'll do that then. We'll pick something different. So I had like, um, you know, I think like sort of saying about being so surprised about getting someone, you know, I got like um, Andy McCluskey from the band OMD, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Now, I don't think they were massive in the States, but they're huge mm-hmm. here. You know, they were you know, one of the biggest bands of the 80s, like unbelievable. You know, they had multi-million selling albums and singles. And it's that, you know, I just pinged out a few emails and then you get one back saying, yeah, that's fine. Andy can do right. it on Wednesday. <laughs> like, wow. Really? Does he know who I am? Like, you know, but yeah. So no, but because I do, you know, I do. Um, one of the, the good things about the Oasis side is that you know, like I said, you can veer off, but ultimately I'm aware it's the Oasis podcast. So you do need to bring it in a bit. You know, I couldn't just talk about, you know, super furry animals for two hours. That would be what right. you're doing, you know? So you've, you've got to keep it a somewhat in the Oasis world in some way. Um, and so I'm like, well, why not? Why not? We'll just tr- try that. And so, yeah, so that was really throughout lockdown. Um, and it's, I've, I've sort of, just got really really busy with the oasis stuff so that's gone on the mm-hmm. back burner a little bit but i think i will um start that up again in, in the new year um just because I, I do really enjoy it really enjoy talking about other sorts of music and yeah well do you uh you want to do some rapid fire questions before we let you go for the day or for the evening i guess go on then. <laughs> fantastic yes all right so let's uh let's shift back to to beetle beetle world <laughs> <laughs> so all right your your favorite beetle song uh, my favorite Beatles piece of vinyl is the double A size Strawberry Fields Penny Lane. Ooh, I, I can't, I can't split that. the song. I can't split the song. So those two songs are pretty much my favorite Beatles song, or uh, or the bit, yeah. or the long one, the Abbey Road medley. So it's very, very hard. Yes. So you toss a coin on on um, toss a coin on on Strawberry Fields Penny Lane. So my answer, my stock answer is that seven inch, please. That's seven inch. I love that. Uh, okay, now to counter that, your least favorite, least Beatles favorite Beatles song um, is probably well. If you, if you're going into, um, I suppose if you're going into the anthologies and stuff, then stuff like mm-hmm. "What's New Mary Jane" is just annoying is just a, a skip yeah. and it's annoying as well because like it was one that had been rumored oh there's a new song it's gonna be amazing and it's like yep it's just a bit nothing isn't and it and it's that yeah and it's like Agreed. oh was yeah. that it so yeah i don't really rate that but if we're talking about officially released stuff um probably obla di obla da i've i've never liked obla di obla da um I, but yeah. but that's it's that's not my least favorite you know it, it, it's not but it's the one that kind of annoys me the most i'd say okay okay what's your favorite album my favorite beatles album would be that's really hard it's hard to get past abbey road because of the because of the second half i mean the whole thing's great obviously but then but then pepper like pepper's amazing you know you yeah. can't I, I know people like it's 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 almost not fashionable to like Pepper now, and, and it's more fashionable to go for Revolver, um, or the White Album. It's, it's um, ask me on a different day. I'll, I'll say Pepper today, but ask me tomorrow; it'll be different. 
Oh, That's fair. so many people say yeah. the same thing of like my favorite song, my favorite album changes mm. A from week to week, B from year to year, mm. C from life moment to life moment, you know, like it's just sort of wherever you're sitting in life, yeah. it's it's always something different. And I think that's such an amazing answer because they sort of have something for everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and, like, it's, and and the other thing as well is because it, it's like, how do you judge an album? Do you judge an album by the general quality? So like, so, you know, the White Album has more songs, but then some of them aren't as good. So, you know, so I'd, I'd listen to, probably listen to Pepper more than the White Album, but but how do you judge that? How do you judge whatever it is, 12, 13 songs versus 40 songs? It's impossible. So, no, yeah. it's, it's just, um, they're all amazing, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite memory associated with a Beatles song? Uh, well, I'll take it to the Oasis side. So with um, having seen Oasis, if we're, if we're talking about like I'm the Walrus being um, outside Cardiff International Arena March 1996 having seen Oasis for the first time and they finished with I'm the Walrus mm-hmm. and we were just me and my friends just buzzing like waiting for my friend's mum to come and pick us up with uh, 15 I was 16 in May so just almost 16 and just bouncing around the streets of Cardiff just like but singing like I am the you know, and just charging around the streets, which is <laughs> yeah. just high off of the having seen Oasis and having loved the Beatles. That's definitely a fantastic uh, memory, though, for for sure. I've always loved their cover of I'm the Walrus. Um, some of the ones, especially in later years, that like our pro film, like I think the iTunes Festival is one of them, where they've got like the strings and the choir behind them, like just sounds like so massive and like. Dirty and cool. I always love that. Yeah, yeah. How many times yeah. did you I see mean, my, Oasis live? Uh, seven. I think it wasn't. It's not crazy. Like some people saw them like forty, fifty, or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I think I saw them. Um, yeah, Cardiff '96. I was at Nebworth. Um, oh wow. '96, and then I saw them twice on Be Here Now. Once Wembley. Once um, uh, Newcastle, and then what? Once in Paris. Oh, wow. And once, yeah, that was, um, I've told this story on my podcast before, but um, that was supporting Neil Young. <laughs> and it was for a friend, it was like for a, a, my friend's um, stag do. We just went to Paris and, and sort of, um, uh, yeah, and we didn't even book a hotel. We were just <laughs> like, right, we're just going to go on the train, get just drink the whole way through, and then just get the train back the next day. Like, we were poor, we were like 19. And, um, yeah, and I wasn't a Neil Young fan at the time. I am a Neil Young fan now, <laughs> but at the time I was just not not really bothered. But at the time, Noel was doing Hey Hey My Mind mm. live, and so we were like, um, so we watched Oasis. They supported, and they were brilliant. And then Neil Young comes on. And we're like, all right, well, all right, we'll watch a bit of Neil Young and see what that's like. And then and none of us were fans really, but we'll watch a bit of Neil Young, and then hopefully we'll wait to the end. Noel will come on stage for the encore and do Hey Hey My Mind. And God, it was the worst like two hours of my life. <laughs> oh, it no. felt like about six hours. Like just this old guy like just doing these like long, boring one note guitar solos. Just these old guys rocking out like, oh God. 
using up like prime drinking opportunity <laughs> on my like on my friend's stag do. It was like, oh god, but we're like, do we go? But then find out later that Noel came back on and did Hey Hey My My. And he's like, no, we're gonna have to stick this through, and it was awful. I hated it. <laughs> Um, that is anyway, not yeah, a, so that a pairing was... I would expect anyone to ever tell me. No, well, they, he loves Neil Young. Like, Noel loves Neil Young. That's so um, funny. Yeah. So, yeah, it is interesting. But, uh, yeah, and then Wembley um, 2000, the familiar Timillions gig. Um, oh, wow, that's funny. Yeah, and then okay. that was it. Yeah, so that was it. I never saw them. Like, a lot of my friends, went, like I said, I went off them a bit. So all my friends mm. saw them throughout the 2000s on all the tours. And it was always just like... Yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'll go to the next one, you know. And then 2009 came along, and they, that, that wasn't anymore. So, um, yeah. yeah. But have there you we seen go. them solo also? Like yeah. Oasis. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen Noel and Liam a few times. I was at the um, Liam's uh, like the last tour. I was at Birmingham, okay. which was really really good. So I was just mm-hmm. looking back at my photos from my like, end of last year because that was like November last year. It's like, God, oh, it's a different world, eh? Actually going to right. gigs, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It feels yeah. very, feels like a very different world now. Um, we caught him in 2017 in Leeds, Liam, and it was amazing. Like, yeah. I, uh, luckily we had seats because I, it, I was able to see the floor, and I have never seen a concert like that before. No. I, I mean, just like the beer going and the just the mass of people and the energy in the in the stadium it wasn't a stadium what was it arena, arena? Yeah. yeah it was an arena arena, um, arena yeah and just like oh man i mean also the music was amazing like yeah. liam was <laughs> yeah. great but just the energy in that room i hadn't been to a concert with that much energy in so long because mm. you know growing up in the 90s there was a lot of that like we were really big into mm. concerts and then people just you know as you know now you have to like do antics to get people to stop their conversation and pay attention so mm. it was really nice to like be in a room where everyone was captivated and completely engrossed in what was happening and yeah just ugh, it was it was really good yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was nice Our, you guys um, do concerts I... really well <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you well it's it's partly um when people say to me like you know, especially younger people or, or people not from the UK that never got to see Oasis, and it's like go and see Liam. Like it's it's the closest experience you'll ever get. Mm-hmm. Noel yeah. is a different thing. You know, Noel's not that. He'll do a mm-hmm. couple of songs that have that vibe. Like little by little, when Noel does it, has that vibe. Right. Um, but generally not. You know, generally even the even the other Oasisy songs, he'll do something different with them because that's just his vibe. That's the place he's in, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, you just have to know. That that's when you go and see Noel Gallagher. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get an Noel Gallagher show. Mm-hmm. Whereas Liam, it's an Oasis show. It's yeah. an Oasis show. And if you squint, looking at his guitarist Jay Mailer, <laughs> you can pretend he's Noel. <laughs> and uh, you know, and so so that's he, he looks quite like him. Yeah. So um, you know, so and it is basically an Oasis show. Like the the vibe, the energy, is it's not 100 percent there because you you're aware there's a big bloody gap, you know, oh, to yeah. the side of yeah. Liam where Noel should be. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. Um, uh, yeah. So it's not 100, percent but it's the closest you'll ever get. And obviously, you guys have had that experience. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's something else. And especially over here as well. Especially over here. I mean, if you if you're back over here, and you get to see him like in Manchester or Glasgow mm-hmm. uh, or Dublin, I think that's like the big ones. You know, that's the big cities that you want to see him in because mm-hmm. that's the maddest ones. You know? Yeah. 
But yeah. yeah, we had already had our trip booked, and then he announced the tour, and we, like, Jonathan, like, frantically pulled up the It was, like, the last the day we were in England. It was, yeah. like, we can take a train from uh, London to leave and be back in the morning for our flight. So, yeah. like, we like, did a 12-hour trip. <laughs> yeah, if we had missed, like, the first train out of Leeds in the morning, we would have missed our flight. Yeah. Like, that's how, <laughs> oh, wow. That's how close we got well it. Well done. <laughs> yeah. It, well done. That's dedication. It was great, though, because, I mean, I one of my biggest regrets is I never got to see Oasis. Yeah. When they were around, uh, they never came to New Orleans. And when they were coming, uh, the closest they would ever come would be like Houston, Texas. And we actually had tickets to see them in Houston one year. And it was the same year that Hurricane Katrina came and kind of ruined all of our plans. Uh, so so we didn't get to go to that, unfortunately. Yeah, that was a real bummer. Um, and then I was on tour in 2009 and the band I was with was consistently a week behind the Oasis tour. Like we would show up at the venue and I would see like on like a large flyer that they had been in town like a week prior, the whole tour. Um, so never did get to see them. But yeah, so we saw We've seen Liam once. We've seen Noel twice. twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So both in New Orleans. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising that Noel has come to New Orleans twice because mm-hmm. we're a very small market um, and he doesn't fill the room here, but he seems to like coming here. It's pretty close, though. Mm. Yeah, I it, think it's close. Especially the, yeah. last, the first time we went. It was like, oh, that's not a yeah. lot of people. But the second time, um, for the um, uh, what's the the last album he did? Uh, uh, Who built the moon? Who built the moon for the Who built, Who built, the, built moon. the moon tour? It was it was pretty close. Yeah. to to being full, if not full. So it has a really great record too. Yeah, it was. I'm glad he toured here. For what that. did you think of that album? I really liked it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I really too. liked it. I think that I think that um, it kind of gets a a rep because people sort of lump it in now with um with the recent EPs he's done mm-hmm. it's like oh especially in in the Oasis fan world it's dance where you've music got a lot dance of music. Liam fans yeah yeah oh it's just bullshit cosmic pop you yeah. know and but actually there's some great songs on there yeah. like like black and white sunshine the man who built the moon that song's great. like she taught me how to fly they, these are great songs mm-hmm. it's a really good album i think it's it's a shame that cuz he he just stuck to that one project with uh, that he the, just the, the sessions he'd done with David Holmes and so it's a little bit slight I think there's only like 10 songs on there and two of them are that instrumental sort of, um, instrumental yeah. so it's you know so you think mm, could do a bit more but I kind of get I get what he was going for that this isn't you know this is what we recorded yeah. there you go you know and if it's only 48 minutes or whatever it is and that's and fine what, you know so you don't need like I was saying earlier about song lengths if that's all you need Great. Yeah. Do it. Get out. Do another one next year. You know, it's fine. What are your thoughts on the song he dropped on the demo he dropped on uh, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. It was fun. Um, it was a nice little song. I think it's a bit funny that he called it. He was like very clear in his message. This is like, a this demo. This is a demo. <laughs> okay. This is a demo, guys. This is not like, and it's not been released on Spotify or Apple or yeah. anything. So it's not in chart contention. So I think that's maybe just sort of obviously at the moment Liam is killing it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, his uh, Christmas song "All You're Dreaming it's Of," fantastic. which he did get into the yeah. charts here yeah. in the UK. Um, so, you know, that literally coming like a week later or whatever, or a few weeks later, he's deliberately not put it out as like this is my single. You know, this is just like look, it was a demo. I was working on it. I thought you might want to hear it. But no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was good fun. It didn't like um, set the world alight sure. for me, um, but I thought it was a really, it was a really lovely little tune. 
the one thing that it sort of annoyed me about it slightly is um, the lyrics. I thought Noel has got a habit of just every line is a subtitle, <laughs> you know, and so it's like, don't fight the feeling, don't stop believing. You're like, okay, you know, that's right. a song title, you know, and, and so it's like, write yeah. something else, you know, like I've just, I reviewed it on the last episode and I sort of compared it to, you know, in the, the Liam song, All You're Dreaming Of, you know, it's like there's that line, um, you know, cover you in kisses unrehearsed, you know, and that's such a lovely play of words. I know right. Liam didn't write it, you know, Simon Aldred wrote it, but cover you in kisses unrehearsed. That's a, you know, that's a good that's line. beautiful. Yeah. And that's just different. You know, it's just different, isn't it? It takes you like we're saying about the Beatles. They're just something's just off kilter. Something's just a little bit different surprises you. And you think, oh, that's great. Whereas there was um because lyrics are so big for me, I'm listening to that song and then you hear a really lovely bit of melody, but if it's just reciting a song title, like, oh, okay. Like, it sort of, it always puts that slight disappointment, whereas, you know, whereas if people aren't too yeah. bothered about lyrics, then, you know, they can just really get into the melody or the groove or whatever, whereas lyrics are really important to me. So it always, it just loses, you know, it just loses like 20% if the lyrics mm-hmm. are just a bit... yeah. Yeah. Isn't it fantastic that even though these bands are no longer together, we're still getting new material, you know, from the two of them. And then you get McCartney That's three, uh, you know, Ringo just put something out like stuff is still coming. So like there's still things for you and I to talk about on our shows. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, awesome. I, I, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. You know, it is, it is really good that we've got it. I mean, I did a, a breakdown with um, at the start of 2020, me and my sort of regular collaborator, um, Richard did a, a breakdown of like everything that had been done in the previous 10 years, all the collaborations. Obviously they split up in mm-hmm. 2009. So you had this whole decade of them just doing stuff, you know? And so just picking up like, you know, all the songs he'd done with Noel had done with Paul Weller or the stuff that like Liam had done with Death in Vegas and all these sort of just little one-off tracks and tunes and collaborations and stuff. And it's just great to pick up all those, you know, and just, and yeah. just be a bit of a completionist and just, you know, it's just nice. There is there is a lot more. You know, people here are sort of no oasis is like the Wonderwall and uh, you know guys, and that's about it. You know, God, there's there's so much mm. more to to enjoy so in that more. back catalogue. Well, James, my friend, uh, where can our listeners check out the Oasis podcast and One Thousand and One albums? Well, as as I was saying earlier, I nicked the name Oasis Podcast, so it is um, <laughs> Oasis Podcast on Twitter is where I normally hang out and uh, just just talking random rubbish. Um, it's Oasis Pod on Instagram, Oasis Podcast on Facebook. And if you just search Oasis Podcast, you'll find that you'll see the Oasis logo. There are quite a few Oasis podcasts, but they tend to be like Christian kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. And so, yeah, that's very different. Don't go there. Different well, there's conversation. Like the, there's like the Meditation Oasis podcast as well. I think that does quite well. Um, every, you know, I've got, a Google, I've got a Google alert on Oasis podcast and I'll get like a, a Google alert come up like, you know, you know, your best new podcast of the year. I'm thinking, oh, fantastic. You look, Meditation Oasis podcast. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. But, yeah. but um, anyway, I'm sure those guys do a good job. Um, they don't do much chat about the Gallagher brothers, though. So it's a right. Yeah. But um yeah, so that's that's basically, you can check it out there. And it's been going for like four years. Feel free to go from the start. A few people I've seen on, online have, have sort of a, a sort of going back and listen to it from, from episode one. Or just jump in around, jump around and like, 
if there's someone that you find interesting you want to hear about or a certain part of the the history of that band that you want to hear about then just jump in and give it a listen and then yeah as i say feel free to sort of jump around and enjoy it because it's uh yeah it's if you if you love oasis or if you're interested in music in any way then yeah then it's it's pretty in depth it's what the band deserve i think and then yeah the 1001 albums is just at 1001 albums um pod i think across the internet search 1001 albums you'll find it and uh yeah that's got some really interesting episodes as well so um yeah yeah go and check us out fantastic man well thank you so much for taking some time to uh chat with us today and rank some beetles and uh well i hope we can do this again man this has been a lot of fun thanks so much for doing this with us no worries guys all the best have uh hope you have a great new year and uh, yeah, same speak to you, soon. Man. all right james from the oasis podcast y'all how about that what an absolute treat yeah so fun it's fun you know i there's this kind of interesting you know thing where like and he kind of mentioned it briefly you know, over here, Oasis is just like the Wonderwall band. Um, but over there, they're still very much like a current institution that people care about and listen to and talk about and buy the music. And, you know, it still gets a ton of radio play. Um, and, you know, growing up, you know, how he kind of backed into the Beatles from Oasis. I kind of backed into Oasis from the Beatles because it just kind of seemed like where the lo- where the path led. Right. You know? Um, so it's kind of funny to see, you know, those paths kind of cross for he and I, mm-hmm. just in opposite uh, directions. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. That was a lot of fun, though. Uh, I admire the man's dedication to the craft of the podcast. Yes. I mean, he's been doing Oasis podcast since 2017, mm-hmm. and now he's start he started 1001 albums. That's a lot of albums. That's a lot of albums. <laughs> I mean, kudos. Good. We're only doing 253 songs? 223. Oh, sorry, 223. <laughs> yeah. I was close. You're close. Um, but... Um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. The little... Okay. Uh, yeah, we're only doing 223 songs. Yeah. That's way more. Yeah. Ooh. I would be like, can we do like seven albums per episode and like wrap this up? <laughs> yeah. And a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> well, that's commitment. And uh, I give the man my kudos. Absolutely. Fantastic. 100%. Yeah. So what do you folks think about Little Child at number 188? Too high, too low, just right? Like Baby Bear's porridge? <laughs> <laughs> um, let us know what you think in the Facebook post or on Twitter. We're now on Twitter. Oh. We joined Twitter over the Christmas holidays um, at Ranking Beatles because character limits. Ah. Yeah. So, stupid bird app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally stupid bird app. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Ranking Beatles. Uh, everywhere else at Ranking the Beatles. Let us know what you think. Also, what do you think of Oasis? I contend that there is no reason a Beatles fan should not like Oasis. They don't sound like the Beatles. They're not a sound-alike band, but they come from the same cloth of melody and uh, fun and up, you know, up-tempo, good-time stuff. They were heavily influenced by the Beatles. Everybody's heavily influenced <laughs> by the Beatles, man. Come on. Sorry. Yeah. I should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> so let us know what you think, and uh, yeah, 
That's Don't all forget I to uh, hop on those podcast apps and give us a review. Yeah, you know what? Every now and then we get a new review. It warms the cockles of my heart. Such kind words. We really, really appreciate that. And uh, it helps us appear a little bit higher in the search engine optimizations. So leave us a nice review. Let us know what you think of this. And refer us to a friend. If you have a friend who loves the Beatles, you can let them know about it. Or even just kind of likes the Beatles. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have got some fantastic guests coming up this season, you guys. We have got some fantastic guests coming up this season, y'all. Um, th- up and through July, we're referring to as season two. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been booking over the holidays. Mm-hmm. We've got some fantastic guests coming up. A fantastic, A fantastic guest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that I cannot wait uh, to not do this, <laughs> uh, these voices, as I talk to them. Yeah, they'll leave. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so we hope you all are ready for a really fun season two of Ranking the Beatles. I know I'm excited about it. Me too. Yes. Well, we'll see you back next week with a brand new episode. So until then, stay cool, all you cool cats and kittens. All right, Carol Baskin. (laughs) What year is it? I don't even know anymore. All right, I'm shutting this down. Until next week, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. And this is Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.